yourselves. So my podcast is pretty free flowing. Um, I have, I literally, sometimes I have half page notes, a whole page today. I have like one note. Um, I've listened to you and there's a lot of things floating around in my brain that I want to talk to you about. But um, uh, I would love to, if you don't mind, start with kind of um, your bio. Like, who are you? What is it that you do? How'd you get into this? Was it like profound all of a sudden? Did you always think this way or, or um, you know, how'd you get into all this? Who are you? That's a really good question. Well, thanks. First of all, it's really a pleasure to talk with you and gratitude and respect to your listeners. And so the name on my driver's license reads Juniper Ellis. So Juniper Ellis is the name that my dad and my mom gave me. And I was born in Washington State. I grew up in Washington State. And so I'm inviting listeners to think about their equivalent as I talk about this. But one of the things that I noticed that was part of my earliest awareness was in connection with the natural world, I always had a sense of peace and joy and freedom. And then also like a realization that we're non-separate. So my body was part of the natural world. The natural world was part of my body. And so I grew up with just kind of like that clarity and that joy of being aware of that connection. And so I'm inviting listeners to notice for everyone who's listening, like what are your natural points of connection? Because so one of the foundations of our teaching, I'm at Awake Yoga Meditation, and that's a meditation community. Geographically, we're in Baltimore and we have people who join us online from all over. Um, But one of the foundations of our teaching is that that's basic to all humans, that we all have these entry points into feeling connected, feeling whole, feeling peaceful, feeling really inspired and excited. And so for the listeners, the question is for me, what are those natural points of connection and awareness? Hmm. Wow. Interesting. So you grew up with, um, you know, basically what we'd call a non-dual awareness. So, so, you know, a a lot of people don't, um, it's very difficult to understand these things from a materialistic point of view. Um, for me, I, I had some inklings of that growing up, but uh, it wasn't until about five years ago or so that I had, um, I kind of had like some profound spiritual experiences and I, um, became vastly aware of the non-dual nature of, of existence. Um, Okay. So, so can you, okay. So I, I just asked somebody else this question the other day to someone who, uh, for, to a completely materialistic mind who thinks like, you know, this, this is me. That's all that there is. How would you explain non-dualism? Well, so for me, I thank you for saying that. Like I've never actually put it in those words, but I think you're absolutely right. Like that, that's a fair description to me. I would say I grew up with natural oneness and that natural mm-hmm. oneness is natural. <laughs> like that's, that's like basic to, to our human awareness. Um, so I think for someone who's had a feeling of being confined within a single human body, that that's why I'm offering that invitation is sort of like for, for each listener, what are the entry points? Like, for example, I've talked to a rock climber who the day job, he's like a doctor and director of a hospital, medical director of a hospital. But when he's rock climbing, the only thing he's aware of is 
my right hand is holding onto this rock. And the next move my right hand makes, it's going to be to this rock. And the same thing, like that total focused present moment awareness. So for that person, rock climbing is one of those moments of just complete, present, full, total awareness. For other people, it could be music. So for people who love music, sometimes there's a kind of, like I've heard singers say this as well, I gave a compliment to a really talented singer and the singer said, I wasn't doing anything at all. <laughs> and so there's a there's thousands of hours of practice that go into that singer being able to say, I wasn't doing anything at all. But after you have that thousands of hours of practice as a singer or as a musician, then the music just sort of pours mm -hmm. through you. I think Yo-Yo Ma says it's like, a whole new universe can be pouring through you with every note. And there's that sort of like openness. And when you listen to Yo-Yo Ma, you can feel there's just like light pouring through that music. And so for every listener, for some people, it's like they love animals or they love nature. They love being out in the forest. And so whatever it is, there's that connectedness with something that's just really innocent and pure and natural. And it involves that that focus, that being completely present in a way that you're not even aware of any limitation. You're not aware of any pain. You're not aware of any like stories. There's no labels. So our conceptual awareness just kind of like, it's not present. And there's just complete focused awareness. I think you know, sort of like kissing the top of a newborn baby's head. <laughs> a lot of people have that experience. Or like if you're holding the hand of a dear one who's about to depart the body, like they're about to leave the body or pass away, it can also be that same just complete awareness that there is something so much vaster than can fit into a human body. Mm, wow. Yeah. I like how you said, um, uh, you were talking about how uh, the, the universe, you allowed the universe to pour through you. And it's not you acting as the universe. It's not the small self acting through, you know, it's a, you, you almost must, um, I, am a musician, uh, of sorts myself and it's taken me a while to kind of learn the essence of, of not trying and not sitting on a perch trying to catch what's next, but instead getting out of the way and allowing it to work through me, you know, in, in the, the time that you've spent working up to that, the 10,000 hours, as it's, as it's all often said, um, allows itself to kind of express through you. And sometimes, um, if you're familiar with uh, jazz, so like, like jamming and jazz is very much, uh, it's, it's non-improvised. It's very much being present and just working with what's there. Like you can't be in your mind like, oh, I'm going to do this. Like you're not thinking about that. You're just here and your, your talent expresses itself and it creates something along with these other band members. So it's really this dance. Um, so what is it? What, so what do you find um, in, in your teachings? Like what seems to come up? you know, when you're teaching someone this from a place of, um, you know, maybe, maybe they have many more years f until they understand these things, um, in, uh, in non, in not just an intellectual way, but in a, um, experiential way, what are some things that seem to come up? Like, do, do they understand this at all? Or is it what, um, so that's a really good question. I mean, I guess I would say that I find fairly universally that there is direct access that is available. 
And I'm not sure if that's because, so our meditation community, so we are awake yoga meditation and we're in Baltimore. We were founded by my teacher and his name was Swami Shankarananda. And so Swami Shankarananda, I encourage you to go to awakeyogameditation.org, our webpage, just look at his picture and you can't do it without just grinning because he's like this being of light, this amazing being of light. And so that energy of his lifetime of practice, like all of that light that he generated in his lifetime is here. And so maybe that's one of the, the great gifts that we have in our meditation community is that people who walk in the door feel that light. And so there's like a direct access that is present and available. That is a thing that yogis say, and I'm, I'm curious to ask you about, is it the same with musicians? But yogis say that it's really indispensable to have contact with a being of light like that. And that that gives you this huge spiritual boost, almost like this heart opening or this calming of the mind so that the usual chatter and usual patterns of thinking just sort of melt away. Mm. But I was curious to ask you, like, if you've ever played with a really established jazz musician, like when you were starting, did that help you enter into that free flow that you were just talking mm. about so beautifully? It's actually interesting. I never really um, thought about it that way, but I do have uh, one of my dear friends, Eric Nordin is his name. He's this fantastic musician. He's so good. Um, and I got to, um, I've spent a lot of time with him, but I got to actually spend like a lot of intimate time with him. Like we, um, when he first started, we kind of like, I helped him kind of like write an album. Um, I was, I got to be around him as he was just performing and existing. And, um, yeah, yeah, there is like a spiritual essence to that. Like there is a, um, you know, and now that I think about it, I suppose I've, I've always gone to concerts and always really liked live music and such. And, um, you can instantly sense when some, something's not real. Like you can, you can tell the energy of the person on stage is very, um, apparent, you know? Um, so sometimes you just don't connect with it. Like if they're incredibly stressed out or they're, you know, miles deep in thoughts, I feel like you can almost feel that in a sense. Um, but there's also moments where, um, time itself begins, begins to cease, right? Because you're just, this person is creating this vibration, you know, with their music, with their words, with their um, presence. And sometimes even just them speaking on stage has brought me moments of just, you're just screaming yes inside. You know, you, you don't know, you're not thinking about anything. You're just here and it brings you to presence. And that's something that I've always just, um, you know, I think people who go to concerts, you know, maybe uh, great musicians are their guru in a sense, you know, you're, you're looking for that. Oh, you know, cause, cause just like that picture you said, we're all, we're all, when we find something, somebody who has it, we're just, we just want to follow them. Right. We were like, yeah, you have it. Like, I don't know what it is, but you, you have, it. I want to listen. Whatever you say, I'm listening, you know? So, so it is that. Yeah. So, so I have, um, I have, I have had the grace to be around, um, musicians and not just Eric Nordin. I've actually got to work with, um, some incredible people and watching them not only write, like pulling things from the ether, um, and, and putting them into, you know, pulling things from out here and getting them onto paper and, and actually like getting a recording of that. It's like, whoa, I just got to witness that. I just got to be around this person who is just a conduit of the universe to get some sort of like musical expression um, onto something that other people can hear from from here forward. So, yeah, yeah, certainly. I, I think certainly, yes. 
Yeah. It's such a gift. I mean, I would just say it is such a gift because it's so much larger than the individual. And so mm-hmm. I'm really excited to hear you describe that in musical form. So that's very much, I think, like what we are the beneficiary of at Awake Yoga Meditation. So that one of the words that yogis sometimes use is transmission. That transmission mm-hmm. of spiritual energy is just so whole and so vital and so filled with peace and and just connectedness. And it's such a gift to have that. Oh yeah, so wonderful. Okay, so so um, what what sorts of meditations do you guys teach over there? What type of meditations? I mean, I'm sure a listener may have heard of uh, vipassana, following the breath. Maybe they've heard of um, tra- transcendental transcend. I always do this every time. Uh, tra- trans transcendental meditation. Um, you know, mantra meditation. These sorts of things. What is what is something that you guys specialize over there? Yeah, absolutely. So when you walk in the door or when you hop on to one of our meditations online, so we have meditations Sundays and those are in person. And then we also share them on YouTube and Zoom. And then we also have meditations Tuesdays and Fridays and those are on YouTube and Zoom. Mm -hmm. And so those meditations are very, they give like um, an opening invitation. Like if people find it helpful to have a brief focus and a brief guided meditation that people can enact if they want. And then we have about 20 minutes of stillness. And so in the 20 minutes of stillness, you either can put into motion the guided meditation that we just sort of gave brief prompts for, or you can practice whatever your favorite method of meditation is if you have a practice already established. We also, my teacher was a Kriya Yoga master. So that is a method of meditation that came from India. And so he was amazing as a Kriya Yoga teacher. And when he left the body, as yogis say, when he passed in 2014, he appointed me his successor and asked me to teach Kriya Yoga. So that's like a Mm. meditation that's taught one-on-one. And so it's individually taught from the teacher to the student. And it involves about 20 minutes of meditation in the morning and 20 minutes in the evening. So it's very integratable into daily life. It's also very potent and it's transforming. So it gives you like this technique of self-transformation, self-healing, working with what we've been talking about, sort of like helping you be extraordinarily focused and present right where you are, helping you be more of you. And then, so you were using that, I think your metaphor might've been like that, like that energy, that frequency, it helps you be more of your own signature energy and your Mm -hmm. own signature frequency. So whatever you are here to share, it helps that come into more direct view. Mm, wow, beautiful. Okay, so is this through, um, I mean, you said it's through, you know, 20 minutes of meditation and then a conversation. Are these like koans that you're kind of creeping them towards? Are you unwinding things that they are not? Um, what, what is it? What are these conversations like? So, I mean, so basically if someone, it, you can visit our website and we have more information on Kriya. Um, there's like a video where I'm talking about Kriya as well. But if you sort of like contact us, you can email me at swami at awakeyogameditation.org and say, hey, I'm interested in Kriya. And so that would involve just setting up like an hour long conversation with me in which I share um, a technique. And then that technique of meditation is you practice it in your daily life, 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes at night. And it's just helping you be that which you are always. And so it works with breath and it works with mantra. What you're really getting, and this is my experience from having received these techniques from my teacher, who I mentioned is just a being of light. What you're really getting is not only the technique, it's also this huge uh, boost of spiritual energy as well. Mm. Mm. 
Okay. So when you first started learning meditation, I mean, I know you said you kind of had this uh, recognition of oneness since you were, since you were a child, um, was meditation incredibly easy for you at the beginning? Do you remember any of your, of your quarrels? I'm, I'm always trying to pull in, um, like people who yeah. are just beginning or they don't know much about this. Maybe this is the first episode they stumbled upon and they don't really know any of this. Like, like what, what, what might they be coming across and, and what did you come across? Well, so, I mean, the the answer is by grace. Yes. Um, I mean, I recognized meditation as soon as I started practicing it. It was sort of like, oh, this. Oh, yes. <laughs> <Of course>. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so by grace. Um, yes. Um, I also, I mean, I've, I've been serving as my teacher's successor since 2014. So I'm happy to just offer some, you know, commentary or observation about having shared the technique with meditation students and things that people notice. Um, so I think that the things that people notice, like one very frequent refrain is, I just feel so much more peace. I just feel so much more calm. I feel so much more focus. I can close my eyes anytime I need to, and I can connect with that. You didn't use this word, but you were kind of describing it. There's like a current of inspiration that each of us has the ability to connect with. So whatever our work is, like we might be writing computer code or we might be like in a really high powered corporate job or we might be whatever we're doing, wherever we are, that energy, it's just pure creative energy. So you are talking about sharing it through music, but it's like whatever you're doing, whoever you are, wherever you are, it connects you with that pure life force. And then it helps you in your own body, your own heart, your own mind, bring joy and harmony so that you're able to choose how would I like to respond in this particular moment. Um, and so what happens is we become increasingly aware of wherever our pain points are or our reactivity is, we become aware of those and able to not react and not enter into the sort of like lower frequency, the anger or the fear or the frustration or the doubt or the limitation, wherever that we have humanly felt blocked before, that increasingly dissolves and it melts away. And we're, we're bringing healing, we're bringing compassion, we're bringing wisdom, we're bringing awareness in. I love how you said humanly felt. I really like that. That's wonderful. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We're all just humans, right? Um, uh, Okay. So you, I, I want to transition over to your book. Um, could you tell us about your book? So if I, let's do, um, you know, if, if we just stepped on an elevator together and, and you had to give me a, a pitch and it was a slow elevator, but, uh, uh, and you're like, Oh, I, I'm an author. I've written a book. Uh, what would it be about? What is your book about? Okay. Well, we can do a really fast elevator first. So, so if you go to awakeyogameditation.org, you'll find there's a book called Awake, the Yoga of Pure Awareness. And the fast elevator talk is it's about how to live in joy and freedom right where you are, right in the midst of daily life. Sounds great. And if you want a slightly longer elevator talk, yeah, yeah. It's, it shares yogic teachings. So we are a meditation community in the yogic tradition. It also shares teachings from the Buddha, the one who is awake. And then it also shares teachings of ordinary humans. We're, we're really focused on sort of how do you do this in your daily life? What does this look like? Like as a human, with a human body and human emotions and human thoughts, human relationships, human work in our time, in our space, like how do you do this and what does this look like? Um, and so we also just share like inspiring, uh, vivid, relatable stories about humans who, who are living these teachings and living these truths. 
Mm, mm, cool. Wonderful. Uh, do you have off, off top of your head? I mean, I'll definitely link your book down below. Um, I'll, I'll link the website down below so everybody can click on that and definitely check this out. Um, but do you have any of those stories off the top of your head? Um, like any relatable human, human level stories? Well, so one of the ones that left into my mind as soon as you said that, and you you can read fuller details in Awake, the Yoga of Pure Awareness, but one of the stories is about a mom who made the decision to donate her son's heart. Her son was on life support um, and he was an organ donor. And so she sat next to his bedside before the life support was removed and his organs were donated and she listened to his heart for an entire day. And she just had her ear up against his chest, just listening to his heart, just memorizing his heartbeat. And it turns out that human hearts are as unique as fingerprints. There is a signature heartbeat for every human heart. And it turns out that she later met the person who had received her son's heart. And she said to him, I know this is going to sound really strange, but may I listen to your heart? And he said, yes. And she put her ear up against his chest and she listened and she was like, that is my son's heart. That is my son's heart. I would know that heartbeat anywhere. And so this is the idea that the heart of each of us is actually so much larger than this physical body. Mm. And and that was the way in which she lived that realization. So we are each living that realization always. Like the reality is when you're aware of how interconnected we are, we affect hundreds of people, some of whom we know, some of whom we don't know, and then that ripples out. So thousands upon thousands are affected. So every time we're choosing kindness, every time we're choosing good humor, every time we're sharing, like you're talking about musicians, just sharing that joy, sharing that incredible creative energy, it goes forth and the world changes. The energy of the collective, mm. the energy that's available in the whole world changes. So the heart of each of us is actually walking around in everyone. Wow, and her wow. story just makes that really vivid. Yeah, wow. I, I think of a few things. Um, I, I do think about the the difference. I feel like I had some understandings of, um, or maybe understand isn't is the correct word, but of kind of the difference between acting from the heart and acting from the mind, um, in, in that they could, they could hold hands beautifully. Like they can, they can work together, but, um, uh, I, I do. Yeah. It's almost like the heart is our connector to the universe and, and we could all get caught up, you know, just being in the mind and, um, you know, in, in just being a human to protect ourselves, we put armor around our heart, right. You know, we have these various, um, you know, uh, ways of, of, pain is pain is so painful sometimes. Right. And so our mind seems to kind of jump in and, and we'll intellectualize, well, I'm not going to do that again. And so we put gates around our heart and whatnot. Um, I, I okay. And one, one more thing that just po- it came into my mind. Um, I forget exactly his name, but he's this famous bodybuilder, uh, Eric something perhaps, but, uh, he actually had to have, uh, he had his heart replaced. Like he had to have a heart surgery and he got someone else's heart. And, um, it's so interesting to hear him talk about it. Cause he started having like afterwards the surgery went well and, and he was healthy and everything. Um, uh, he started to have like cravings for certain things. He started to think in certain ways. And, uh, he got to a point where he's like, I, I don't know how to tell you this. I don't know how to explain this or, or verify this, but I think my heart was like a small Asian woman's heart and she liked these sort of things. And there was basically like, he had these intuitions of, of, 
you know, the heart had a personality structure to it almost. It had um, innate features in, um, I can't recall exactly, but I think he was able to kind of confirm whose heart it was and like match the picture to the, yeah, that's that's who I think this heart is, you know? So like, how incredible is that? You know, our heart has, has a mind of its own. Our heart has, it holds, you know, not only it's the connection to the universe, like I said, but it's, um, yeah, it holds a piece of us, doesn't it? You know, it's it's quite incredible. That is a gorgeous description. I am definitely immediately going to Google that. Really oh yeah, yeah, her. yeah. I, I, I feel like his name's Eric something. I'll uh, if, if I can find it after this, I'll, I'll send you. I'll email you awesome. a link. But um, very, Thank it's very you. cool. I've heard him on a podcast talk about that. Um, so cool. Go ahead, go so ahead. What you were saying, I mean, as you were talking, I was just thinking what you were saying is really apropos of a teaching that I came across recently shared by Ramana Maharshi. So he mm-hmm. was an amazing yogi from India in the 20th century. Um, completely established in non-dual awareness. And he had a student whose wife left the body, whose wife passed. And what he said to his student who was consumed by grief, he said, don't let the mind eat away at the heart. And so the heart is aware that we remain connected beyond the physical. And so he was guiding his student to connect with what is always present beyond the physical and to not allow the mind to eat away at that wholeness, which is always present. And so then that becomes the practice because of course, like if you are a human and you are facing loss, there's an adjustment and it's really honest spiritually to say, this is a big adjustment that I'm going through and humanly I'm experiencing grief right now. And it becomes much easier to move through it gracefully to not push down the feelings, not deny them, but also to connect with that wholeness if we're able to connect with that connectedness, which goes so far beyond the physical so that we know, like if someone leaves the body, our relationship with them does not actually end. We're still Mm -hmm. able to connect with what in them is real and their awareness, their love, their strength, their unconditional caring and support is with us. And then we're able to be be a yogi, the Bhagavad Gita says to us always. I mean, it says, be a yogi no matter what. Um, So Mm. we're able to be a yogi and work with the mind, like in a really compassionate and wise and honest and aware way. Mm. Um, I I, I feel an opening to talk a little bit about death. I always, I do wonder... um, I, I'm very open and comfortable and have understandings of, of death these days. Um, but I do see where, uh, it, it instantly closes off some conversations. It instantly makes people so, um, I mean, we want to run from it, you know, and, and I just kind of like our, our Western way of thinking of things. Um, I'm not sure how we got to, got to this point. Cause it's of course the, it's, it's the other side of the coin of life, right? You know, I don't think any of this, none of this would possibly be so beautiful if we didn't, um, you know, ha- have an ending of it. But, um, what have you learned about death or, or what do you teach about death? Um, or, or how do you, you know, you know, those of us, it, it, of course, it's difficult to, to try to face what we think about death as a person, you know, right after someone we love has just died. You know, it's very difficult for us, you know, for someone to go, well, that's just the way it is. Isn't that beautiful? You know, of course, they're not going to see that, you know, um, they're, they're hurting. So, um, I, I don't know. Do, do you have any, do you have any thoughts about, about death, um, and kind of like how our culture, you know, may, maybe covers over it or, you know, maybe how we could begin to see it differently as, as a whole. One of the things, so I'm happy to just share a few observations. One of the things that yogis say is, as long as we're identifying ourselves with the body, then we're identifying ourselves with what is temporary 
and what is limited. And they also say fear will be present because we'll be afraid of losing this body. And so they say, then we're not living from true awareness. We're not living from this recognition of that in us, which is beyond the body. And so that is possible to become aware while we are still in the body of what is beyond the body. And then when you're in contact with what is here that goes beyond the body, then there isn't fear present. And there's sort of an awareness of, I mean, I can even use a little bit of humor, but I, for example, yesterday, um, I was up at work, I was wearing these boots, the socks that I was wearing were slightly too big to go with those boots. So the boots were like too tight. And I was like, well, I'm going to keep going in my too tight boots. And it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was fine. But when I got back from work, I was like, oh, what a sweet thing to step out of those too tight boots. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so actually, from a yogic perspective, that is the way that the light in us feels when we go beyond the body. When we leave the body from the perspective of Mm. spirit, it's amazing. And I also want to really immediately say, stay here. Every moment that you have to stay here in the body, stay here and be fully here. And when the time comes, do not fear. Mm. Absolutely do not fear. Mm. Yeah. Um, I find that we often make up, um, you know, maybe make up isn't, isn't the right word, but we kind of have our, our residual stories of, of, you know, heaven and hell. Um, I think um, there's a way I see of people coping with, um, with death uh, and I'm, I'm trying to be careful because I don't want to be insensitive or disregarding what someone, what someone's beliefs are. But, um, I, I do find like, okay, uh, this person passed. And so they're, they're now in heaven. And there's a way that that's totally true. You know, they are, they have returned to the everything in a sense. Um, you know, but, but who they were when they were here only really exists within you, you know? Um, and I don't know if we always have access to that. Um, um, I don't know. Do you, do you have any thoughts about, I guess, like, uh, you know, heaven in, in the afterlife and, and, you know, maybe even reincarnation? What, what is your, what's your experience and or thoughts on reincarnation too? When I, so when I first met my teacher, Swami Shankarananda, one of the things that he said is, I want what's beyond heaven. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I want what's beyond heaven. So the traditional yogic teaching, I'm happy to share that. And then I'm also happy to share my perspective on the traditional yogic teaching. The traditional yogic teaching is that it's possible to go beyond heaven. So when we are in contact with that in us, which is pure consciousness, pure awareness, what we've been talking about all along, and we're positing that's here, like it's already here, that's natural, it's who we are eternally. So when we're in contact with that which we are eternally, then we're able to live in joy and freedom while we are here in the physical. We will still have experiences in time and space. So we still experience the pairs of opposites. The yogis describe this as pleasure and pain. They describe it as victory and defeat. They describe it as gain and loss. And so the pairs of opposites are still here. When you're in contact with the source of that, there's a lot less clinging and there's a lot less fear. And there can be an enjoying of the eternal, 
of absolute peace, independent of what's happening in time and space, independent of what you are experiencing in your body or your heart or your mind. And so that right there, that awareness, the yogis actually describe as being beyond heaven. Because so what the yogis say is that as we lift our awareness, as we shift our vibration and we choose this energy of peace, we choose this energy of kindness, we choose this energy of how much love and wisdom and understanding am I sharing uh, with myself and also with all, then that is the energy that we generate that is with us after we step out of the physical. And so it's what we will enjoy. We will experience that. We will just be even more of that energy of joy and kindness and brightness and freedom, the ability to create just by thought. So, you know, like in time and space, you might save up money for years to buy the materials to build the whatever it is. But by thought, it's possible beyond the physical to create. Um, so there's that amazing gift. And then the yogis say that there will be a time when we are again inspired to learn what it is possible to learn only in a human body. And so there are certain things that right now for you and for all of the listeners and for me, it's only possible to learn through being in that particular human body that you are in. And so that's why I'm saying, don't rush it. Like, Don't be in a hurry to leave because your soul wants to be here in that body. I know your human self might have other opinions occasionally, mm -hmm. but from a soul perspective, whatever it is that you're going through is absolutely perfect for mm -hmm. soul growth and for soul expansion. And so, I mean, to put like really specific things on it, like say that someone is in a healthy, able physical body for X years, like the first 30 years of being in the body, but then there might be a period of great physical challenge for the next 40 years, let's say, from the soul's perspective, that's not wrong. Like that's not a mistake. Like from the soul's perspective, the soul learned something it could only learn in an able body for 30 years. And now it's learning something it can only learn in what we would call a handicapped or disabled body or a body facing extreme challenges for those 40 years. And so it's really important to not judge, like to not think from a human perspective, well, there's something wrong with that person because they're experiencing that. Also, it's appropriate to assist and to offer every compassionate help and assistance and support to every body, whether that body is able or whether that body is what humans call disabled, um, but to sort of like let go of judging it from a human perspective, because whatever the soul is going through is amazing for soul growth for this sort of like how much love, how much wisdom can I possibly generate in this human timeline? From my perspective, it's all now. And so it's only from the linear human concept of time, which has past, present, future in a linear plane, that it is reincarnation. From my perspective, it's all now. So from the now, all the timelines are simultaneous. Mm -hmm. And you actually can experience it if you let yourself just be fully present in the now, all the timelines are simultaneous. And one of the things that that means is it's possible in the now to send healing out through any timeline. Mm. So it's possible in the now to radiate healing to yourself. Like say that a listener experienced trauma at age 24 or age 14 or age four from the now, it is possible for that listener to send healing 
to send wholeness, vitality, and peace. And their 24-year-old self, 14-year-old self, four-year-old self will actually receive that healing. Because the the human timeline, which sort of sees it as being like, if you've ever seen those horses with, uh, they have like the blinkers over their eyes, mm-hmm. so they can't look. That's like the human timeline that sees past, present, and future, like in a single kind of line. But from the now, all the timelines are. And so we're able to send this wholeness, this healing, this health, this vitality, this peace, this freedom to all the timelines. That's a wonderful perspective. I thank you so much for sharing that. I, I really like the way you put that. Um, it, it truly is, it, you know, it reminds me of, I'm sure you've heard of like the law of attraction, right? Um, the, the law of attraction kind of, uh, they over and over it takes so it it takes a while to really like try to um understand i suppose what what they're trying to say but they're um it's not about wanting that thing it's about um acting as if you already have it you know it's it's about um embodying what it what it must be like to experience that thing not come from a way of wanting um alan walk alan watts um the philosopher has a uh, the backwards law you know if, if you're consistently trying to get away from something you're trying to um act from a place of desiring that thing you are proving to yourself that you don't already have it you know in in, in a sense so yeah yeah i, I love the man the, time is always one of, one of my most fascinating subjects and i love how um uh, time, time becomes so one of the most fascinating things ever in this spiritual world. You know, in any of these studies of, of, uh, spiritual philosophy or, or spirituality, like time itself is a lot of our, um, you know, for complete lack of a better word, our, our prison, you know, our, it's this wonderful, beautiful prison that we have in, in this 3d, 3d existence here. But, um, yeah, like a, a lot of, uh, a lot of our freedom is found through the perspective of the soul, you know, and, and the soul exists out of space and time. Um, so, so it gives you a, a meta perspective of what you're going through while you are in space and time in, in a sense. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I did, uh, I, I, okay. So I, I would like to talk about yoga a little bit. Um, I think, uh, you probably answered this question in various ways, um, before on podcasts and in conversations, but, um, uh, how do we, how do we unwind? So, so say someone who's listening right now, um, when I say yoga or yogi, they think of, you know, either, um, you know, someone, someone wearing orange, um, in, in Tibet, or they think of yoga as like a physical body movement. Like you go to a yoga class and it's, it's stretching, you know, um, uh, how, how would you explain yoga to, um, you know, maybe bring someone to the, to the definition of, 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 you know, union with God, the, the, the yoke of, of all, um, um, how would you get someone from the difference of I'm going to a yoga class and it's, it's breathing and, um, hopefully I don't fart, you know, and, um, uh, to, to union with God, what's the, what's the jump here that you would perhaps explain? Awesome question. So I was just smiling. So I, I do have myself a yoga asana practice. And so respect and joy for everyone else who loves yoga asana. Mm -hmm. And that's often what's taught at a yoga studio. And I was laughing because for me, one of the things I always noticed was sometimes people came to class with very stinky feet. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you're sort of noticing the very pungent feet of (laughs) someone else who's in the class. Um, So, but um, besides that, what the yogis teach traditionally is that yoga asana prepares the body for meditation. 
And so that, so after you've done your yoga asana practice, then there's a kind of calm and a kind of quiet. The energy is moving freely. And so then you're ready for meditation. And so what we teach at Awake Yoga Meditation is yoga philosophy and sort of like those teachings of universal oneness and how to live in joy and freedom in a human body, in a human uh, heart, in a human mind, in a human life. And so it's, I mean, I would say in some ways more accessible because, you know, like no special postures are required. You can meditate sitting in a straight back chair if you prefer. If you are a yogi who likes to sit in like lotus, that's absolutely great to meditate in that position as well, but it's not required. So it's possible to sit in a comfortable chair. And then the other thing that I would say is that the yoga that we teach, it's immediately accessible. So it's like right there in the midst of doing your dishes or having that conversation with your family or being in your workplace, that's where your yoga is. Like it's, it's everywhere. So it's, how do I live from that kind of awareness and that kind of kindness, just being more of my true self right in the midst of my daily life. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. It did kind of reminds me of um, uh, when I learned to meditate, like it took me, I feel like it took me a couple of years to, uh, in Ram Dass puts it in a nice way, you know, the goal is not to be a good meditator, it's to be free. You know, it is. So, so at the beginning, I was always like, I got to I got to do this at exactly this time. It's got to be exactly this long. And and I'm, I'm meditating. My eyes are closed and I'm breathing and I'm, you know, like you're just super exact about it. And then after a while, this this beautiful thing starts to happen in your waking life um, where, like you said, you're doing you're doing the dishes and you realize you're just doing the dishes and you're not having a conversation 10 layers deep with your coworker that just happened earlier. And, um, you know, you, you're present in this thing. I, I also um, when I first began, I was so obsessed with meditation when I, be, I, I would do countless hours. I just had this. I couldn't stop meditating and doing yoga. I was so obsessed with that at the beginning. Um, I used to I would go to the airport like kind of early so I could sit with my eyes closed at the airport. Um, and just like, so I can, you know, I'm like, okay, if people are looking at me like, cool, sit with that. What's that feel like? And then there was some training ground for that, but now it just feels sort of silly. Now I can just be at the airport doing whatever I'm doing, but also meditating, right. You know, just, just being aware of, of where I am. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that's my yoga too. Right. Um, yes. Uh, I, I love the, the transition, the, the let, letting go that, that, that yoga can bring, you know, um, the, I, I do think a lot of us really do benefit greatly from, you know, the actual physical, physical practice of yoga, whether yeah. it's going to a class with other people or me, when I first began, I did a lot of YouTube. Um, I really, um, I was a very self-conscious person. And so I didn't want to like have people look at me while I'm making weird faces or anything like that. Like now I could care less, but um, at the beginning, that's sort of what I needed. So, um, just like the, the freeness the, the openness to kind of like, um, just being that a lot of the breath and the stretching, we, you know, we hold all this tension in our body, right. You know, so, so being able to like loosen that and let go of that through the breathing and the stretching and in that, the, the physical movements and the, um, yeah, it, it really, it really gives you, gives you a lot of, a lot of presence. So, um, do you guys practice, do you guys pra have a, have a practice at your, at your center? Do you guys have a, a daily yoga practice, physical, physical body yoga practice? So I, what I will do is I will share asana and I will share techniques for people to help them ground 
the increased spiritual energy, if that makes sense. So when people are meditating, some bodies have a process of adjustment to having this more spiritual energy. And so it can be really helpful. So I will individually share practices with people. We don't at present have like a daily yoga asana practice. It's not part of our current offerings. I would be very open to it um, just because I think, as you said, it can be incredibly joyful and peaceful and freeing and it's it's an absolute gift i agree mm. with you yeah yeah stinky feet and all <laughs> yeah uh, that, i mean that really is another funny thing of classes is, is i try to remind people anytime i have anybody go to a yoga class with me or something um you know as easy as it is to to find the thing that we complain about at the end or, or find the you know the silly fart or whatever part of the yoga is is not just the physical right it's the observing my mind. Oh, there, oh, there's judgment, you know, there's, oh, oh, there's judgment of, of that person or, oh, there's judgment of myself or, um, uh, oh, there's uh, regret that I ate that, that burrito three hours before, you know, that's, um, you know, and, and they're just thoughts and they're keeping you from, from being fully here. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. Um, so, okay. So did you, I, I, I briefly asked you about it. Did you have, um, I'm very interested in, in like these, uh, I'm really fascinated by like near death experiences and profound, um, spiritual awakenings, like for people that are completely non-spiritual and then they have some sort of, um, you know, they're shot out of their body in some sort of way and their, their whole world flips up, you know, their whole trajectory of who they thought they were and whatnot is, is just different from this point forward. Um, Kundalini awakenings, that sort of things. Um, did you have any experience of that or, or do you have any, um, do you teach anybody with experiences of that or, or any, any perspectives on, you know, profound, sudden awakenings? Well, so for me, you might have kind of gathered this as a result of that early awareness. For me, there's just always been a kind of natural oneness that has been part of my awareness and part of my experience. And so not a feeling of being limited to a single individual human body. And so for me, I met my teacher, Swami Shankarananda, in 2010, and that was a major catalyst, like just a huge unfurling of light and joy mm. and peace and recognition. Um, and it's it's very, very natural. So it can just happen like in a very natural, simple, pure, like it just helps you be more filled with peace. It helps you be more filled with joy. And yes, I mean, it is very true that people who come to the meditation community and who practice Kriya Yoga, yes, absolutely. Like they have awakening experiences like you have mentioned. Mm. And, then, and then I imagine you guys help them kind of stabilize, um, you know, because it is it is certainly a, a jarring. I mean, I was in like a, I was in some sort of psychosis. Luckily, I was set up in um, in an environment where all I could think to do was meditate and, and do yoga and like study all this stuff. And just so I was reading all these books and, and listening to YouTube videos. And luckily, I was in a position at that time in my life where I could do that. But man, I, I think of... Um, Sometimes I wonder about like, you know, we, we have these things in our culture, you know, psych wards and, um, you know, we, we call people schizophrenics and, and all these things. And sometimes I wonder if they, if they had the right teachings and the right teacher, could they understand and kind of get that, that energy, um, more balanced and kind of maybe, maybe it'll take a little bit, bit of work, but kind of become a more stable version of, of what has happened to them. It's a really good question. I mean, to comment on what we help with in our meditation community, yes, like it's not scary. It's not traumatic. It's a process of becoming aware of wherever healing is helpful in your own body, in your own heart, in your own mind. And so that has like a different trajectory for each 
meditator and it's very, very natural. And it's a process that increases stability. Um, so there, there's an increasing sort of peace and balance and presence and steadiness and poise in the physical structure, but also like your emotions and also your thinking as well. So there aren't, as you were, you were kind of saying, like it can be scary or it can be, um, you can feel like you've lost contact with reality. The way that meditation happens here at Awake Yoga Meditation, it's more like a gradual expansion of awareness and there's just increasing clarity and peace and recognition of wholeness that has always been present all along. And I think it also probably helps to have a community of other people who are practicing as well, which sort of like, it kind of shows you everybody can do this. People from all backgrounds, from all walks of life, all ages, all body shapes, all body types, like doesn't matter what your nationality is or what kind of accent you speak with, like everyone's welcome. And, and it is just an increasing recognition of, oh, that's what's been here all along. Mm. Mm, yeah. Beautiful. Um, okay. We are getting up here in time. Um, I have two more questions. So the first one would be, what is the the future of your organization? You know, you know, looking forward in, in the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years, like where, where are you guys headed? Um, what would you like to see happen? Um, uh, where's the expansion, you know, not even just from a business standpoint, but from a, you know, a, a spiritual standpoint, like, like where, what, what direction are you facing? So Swami Shankarananda, who is my teacher, uh, I would encourage you visit awakeyogameditation.org. Just look at his picture. It'll just make you grin with joy. Um, just gave us the most incredible foundation. He was a being of supreme, pure love and light. Just this sort of like radiant, effortless wisdom and light and kindness. And so that's our foundation. And what he taught was that it's amazing just to keep your focus on spiritual purity. So the yogis say there's a process of purifying the heart for each individual. And that just lets you know, I think you were referring to this earlier, but just for each human, what are the, the yogis describe it as knots? What are the knots that I can untie? And it happens naturally. So it, I would also just say like, it's not something that you have to figure out or know in advance, although you might intuitively already know, oh, I would love to heal that. <laughs> so, But just as you meditate, naturally, as you work with the meditation, those knots will melt and they melt into light. And what happens then is you gain what I was talking about, the soul's perspective on your human journey. So you let go of judging yourself and you let go of judging any other human who has been part of any experience that you've had. There is an acceptance and a gratitude and a respect, and then also an awareness that it's possible to create what we love. It's possible to create in joy. It's possible to create in freedom. And so we just have absolute clarity and focus and dedication about sharing that amazing platform, that amazing foundation of pure love, and just sharing that energy of wholeness and peace and vitality mm. and joy. And uh, there's a amazing energy that is welcoming. So anyone who walks in the door, like people have said, I just 
burst into tears because it just felt so peaceful. I mean, people say for the first time in my life, I felt peace being here. And so it's just this, this energy of light and joy and excitement and gratitude and gladness. And so we love sharing it. Um, so anyone who's listening, who's sort of like, yeah, I'd like to check that out. Um, please join us. We meditate Sundays, Tuesdays, and Fridays online. Anyone I'm in Baltimore geographically, the community is in Baltimore geographically. So anyone who's in like Baltimore, DC, Philly, you're welcome to come. Join us for an in-person meditation. There's nothing like it. Thich Nhat Hanh said that meditating in community is a miracle. And so come find out why. Like, it's so mm. much fun. It's just uh, amazing. Yeah, uh, it yeah. amplifies the light. It just, like, amplifies the light and the joy. Um, but also, we share teachings on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok as well. So it's possible just there's so many different entry points. We have e-courses online as well, if you'd like to check any of those out. Oh, wonderful. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's a, uh, it's very intriguing to me. I do, um, I have this, uh, this I, I do a lot of things on my own. I'm like, I can do it on my, on my own, you know, all these sort of things. But I, of course, know the importance of community. And, um, you know, that's, that's some of my work is um, um, not trying to do everything on my own. Um, so it's certainly something that's, that sparks for me. Um, uh, Mm, yeah. Yeah. Just um, meditating with, with a community. That's something that I would like to, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, challenge myself to try to do more often. So yeah, I would encourage anybody listening in that area to certainly go, go check that out in Baltimore. Um, wonderful. How far are you from Philly? Um, I mean, it's like two hours or something like that on the train. Okay. And then I think I actually haven't driven it in a while, uh, but we're, that, we're in North Baltimore, which helps, okay. <laughs> which helps okay. with reaching Philly. Yeah. That, that train ride anyone, is lovely though. I'm sorry. That, that train ride is lovely. I've taken it's the train. I just took like a week and a half ago. I just took the train from uh, uh, Middletown to Philly. Uh, and I've done that like a couple of times. It's just a lovely train ride. It's beautiful. Totally yeah. agree. But also anyone, wherever you are geographically, hop on Zoom, hop on YouTube and mm -hmm. you can join us. The energy is also incredible online. It's amazing. Beautiful. Isn't that so cool that we can, you know, it's, it's been so cool for over the past, past few years with the pandemic and whatnot to discover that uh, you can tap into this stuff online. Like you wouldn't really think it's like, yeah, it's different, but it, maybe it is different, but it is, it's there. You can, you can really, you can really feel it actually, even on, on zoom classes. And even, um, you know, like this podcast, I can really connect with people on here. And I, there was a while where I'm like, I don't know what screens and there's, a, you know, I don't know, but it's, it really is. It's, it's beautiful. There's um, a network of light. I would agree with you very much. There's a network uh, of light. Yeah. I like that network of light. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Quite literally a network um, uh, of light uh, th through the, through the internet cables. Um, okay. We have, we have just a few more minutes. Um, I actually, okay. So, so you had something, um, you, you were referring to someone who had spent some time in prison um, on, on one of your videos, on one of your talks that you gave. Um, and I, I watched the clip of it and it was initially, I had watched it and I was like, oh yes, I want to talk to her. That sounds so awesome. She has this perspective. Um, but uh, it was, it start with, started with only the self suffers the self. Um, could you, can you, I know we're short on time here, but um, could you, could you explain what you, what you meant by that? Or I, I don't know if it was your words there or someone else's, but what does that mean? Only the self suffers the self. So if you're referring to what I think you're referring to, I came across an account from someone who was in prison because of his work on behalf of peace and on behalf of justice. And so what he said was that during his time in prison, they were the happiest months of his life. Mm -hmm because he got to meet himself and he got to befriend himself. He got to be a companion to himself and everything that came after that. So after he left prison, he became a really important figure 
everything that came after that poured forth from his knowing of himself. And then I think you might be referring to, there's a teaching from the Bhagavad Gita says that we are our own best friend to Mm -hmm. ourselves. And then the reverse of that may also be true, (laughs) that we may be the worst enemy of ourselves as well. And so what the yogis are saying is that every time we choose to calm and clear our mind and focus on peace, focus on what we would love to create, focus on healing, focus on building bridges, focus on connecting, focus on that network of light, what we're doing is making that available not only for ourselves, but also everyone that we encounter, even if we never say a word. When we are in that energy, you're on the bus, you're on the train, you're driving on the beltway, you're in the grocery store, you're in that board meeting, that energy of network of light and of peace and of possibility and of wholeness and of trust makes that available to everyone. Mm. And it changes what is present in that organization, in that family, in that relationship, changes what is present in your relationship to yourself as well. And so the yogis really do say, you don't have to go to prison to have that experience, but it's vital to let yourself be a companion to yourself. And so for that human, that was just his sort of like, he was in that crushing reality. Like, I don't want to minimize how crushing that is to be confined. And what he found was that it turned into a doorway to freedom and a doorway to peace because he allowed all of the circumstances that he encountered humanly to take him deeper into being a companion to himself, into realizing this is true, this is real, this is what is lasting, this is what is vital, this is what matters. When we establish our own selves in what is true and real and lasting and vital and what matters, then silently that will permeate our families, our relationships, our interaction with our own body and our emotions and our thoughts, but also all of the organizations, if we're on boards or we're in high-paced, fast-paced, high-powered corporate realms, those organizations will transform as we connect with this energy of wholeness and health and vitality and peace. And it can happen silently. Mm. It will also, of course, shape the words that we speak as well. And so it will transmit through those words. But the yogis would actually say that far more important than those words that we speak is that it's coming from that energy. So to allow yourself to be established in that energy, and then the words come forth from that. And the words actually then, this is back to where we started, it's spontaneous, it's effortless, it's simple, it's natural, and it might be only a few words, it might be a smile, it might be a glance, it might be just like the way that you are in your body, and the energy of that meeting, the energy of that decision, the energy that that sort of is going forth and is being shared through even very vast organizations can be transformed. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it's like it really can be without words. It makes me think, you know, the end of a yoga class, a lot of times we'll say namaste, the light in me sees the light in you. And, uh, you know, if you allow that opening, uh, how beautiful, you know, how beautiful. Um, okay, one, one bonus question. This could be just a, a quick one. I always like to ask this one. What does the world need more of right now? Love, just love. that energy of pure love, that energy of pure kindness, spontaneous and unconditional. So sharing it naturally using your skill set, 
not looking for any particular return from any particular person and not looking for any outcome, but just wherever you are mm -hmm. being that pure energy of kindness. And it's also the energy of inspired wisdom. So that energy of pure kindness will guide you effortlessly to insight and awareness and inspired wisdom as well. Beautiful. Beautiful. I thank you so much for your time. Um, I had, I had a wonderful conversation with you. Um, I, I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate the work you guys are doing. Um, I will most definitely in the description below, um, offer, offer the links and, and links to your book. Um, and yeah, yeah hopefully some, some people head that way. And, um, yeah, this Swami, this was, this was wonderful. I, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for this. Respect and joy. It's a pleasure talking with you, Jacob. Yeah, yeah. Likewise. Namaste. Have a good rest of your day. Listeners, have a good rest of your day as well. Love yourself. Drink some water and uh, see the light in one another. Take care. Hello and welcome to the Junkyard Love Podcast. Knowledge is power.